thank you for joining the Leadership Podcast with Sim Dendy. It's great to have you with us. Leadership requires innovation and the ability to see and think differently. But Christian leadership is more than just creating new ideas. It is about humbly walking the way of Jesus and asking that he leads us in serving the needs of others around us. The issue of justice is challenging. Jesus himself said the poor will always be with us. Today's guest is going to help us to think bigger while staying humble in our leadership. But before I introduce them, can I ask you for a favour? Please, if you have found this podcast helpful, would you share it with someone else? The team behind the Leadership Podcast are keen that these life-giving conversations help as many people as possible and you can be part of the answer to reaching far and wide. Thank you so much. Okay, so get on with today's guest. Today's guest is Tim, Tim Morfin, who is an award-winning founder and chief executive of the charity Transforming Lives for Good, TLG. Tim was recognised the Sunday Times Best Charity Leader in 2019. Under his inspirational leadership, the organisation has grown from a small church project to a national movement of churches across the UK. With his previous experience of organisational development in a large multinational company and his comprehensive understanding of the charity sector, he has pioneered TLG as a dynamic organisation known for its innovation and development of leaders. Tim is an author, a popular speaker and advisor, continually sharing his passion for the church to be active in every community, bringing hope and a future to struggling children. He's also written a book about TLG's incredible story from his humble origins entitled Out of the Ordinary. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for joining us today. I'd love to hear a bit more about your story, about the TLG story. And I want to jump straight in. We want to make the best use of time we've got. Before there was any such thing as TLG, before there was a charity, before um, you started championing the cause of children at the edge of, of education, who was Tim Morfin? How would you have described yourself? So I grew up in East Yorkshire and, yeah, blessed with Christian parents involved in a local church, um, actually on a council estate. So, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, actually, kind of being part of that as a kid. And then I headed away to university. So I went a whole 70 miles from home. I kind of figured that was just about far enough to be away from mum and dad, but not too far to go back when the washing needed doing. So I did, I must admit, take... Uh, <laughs> Back for the washing home most most times that I visited and I never imagined that I would stay in in Bradford so found myself at Bradford Uni and studied business but as I got settled into uni I also joined a church that was close to the sort of city centre or just um, set back from from there at a time when that church was really just beginning to look outward and then finished uni, had a real strong sense that God was staying stay, you know, stay in Bradford. So managed to get, a, I guess, a kind of corporate job, worked for GlaxoSmithKline in a sort of management type role. And yeah, that was that was me, really. Um, just got involved in the church and uh, yeah, settled into into life in Bradford. 
And you mentioned that, you know, you right at the beginning that God gave you that sense of staying, you know, when was your Christian faith real for you? So I'd grown up in the church and so remember making a commitment to follow Jesus a couple of times as a child. But I think interestingly, like so many, that moment of going to uni, you know, was definitely for me just a real moment of decision. And I think probably after a sort of rocky first term of just sort of finding my feet, just had a real strong sense that, yeah, God was with me. And I think particularly there was just this moment in time in that particular church. I'd come from a relatively Bible-focused church and came to a church that did have a Bible focus, but it also had a spirit of God focus. And those things were new to me. And just through the experiences of just encountering the Holy Spirit, beginning to pray with people who had just a really big expectation that God was going to answer these prayers, then that began to change my understanding of who God is. And yeah, definitely changed me. Yeah. And, and I mean, so here you are, you're ex-student, you got at your first job, um, a big company. And um, what goes on in a young guy's head that goes, I've now got to set up a charity, you know, this, you had a career path, you know, there's, you know, there's a, you know, there's a plan and study the plan gets flipped upside down and this thing called TLG, which we'll come on to is born. What, what happened to make that change? So I guess I was just plugged into church and we did what so many churches have done over the years. We opened a youth club and a whole crowd of kids came. We kind of renovated a space and, there'd be probably 35, 40 kids would be there Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. And so over the weeks and the months, I guess we just got to know who these kids were and got to journey with them in life. So I'll never forget, you know, the, the first boy that I would say, you know, TLG really helped this boy called Lewis. I met when he was 12 met him on a Sunday night. I remember it very, very vividly because um, he, he punched me. It was, I now know this is just his way of saying hello. It's just like, kind of, hi, I'm here. Boom, take that. So got to know him, but you know, by the time he was 15, he totally disengaged from school. And I'd known enough to know that life at home was really tough for him. So he lived with his mum and there was a live-in boyfriend, two sisters and a brother, a house where there was often not enough money, sometimes not enough food, really, I guess we'd say quite chaotic. And so when he went to school, that was chaotic as well. And yeah, there we were, we sort of knew that this was happening. And I knew that at 15, he really should have been going back to school. But I also knew the school had stopped looking for him. <laughs> and yeah, just sensed God stirring our hearts to that this wasn't okay. You know, this is not, this is not right that this boy is missing an education. And I guess a little bit of a so what are you going to do about it sort of question. So massive change there. And you go from, you know, corporate career ladder to setting up a charity. 
Uh, tell us about TLG. And for those that know, I'm using the acronym TLG. It's, it's now known as, uh, well, it, it changed its acronym, didn't it, at some point. But tell us a bit about the beginning and what it is and what it does. So TLG stands for Transforming Lives for Good. And we are all about helping churches to get alongside struggling children and their families. And we do that through three simple programs, program of education centers, which are small schools provided for kids at crisis in their education, typically kids excluded or at risk of exclusion. A great program called early intervention, which trains up church-based volunteers to each spend an hour a week with a child in school and to be in touch with home regularly and build that relationship with home. And then the third program is called Make Lunch. And that simply is food and activities for kids who would be at risk of being hungry in the holidays. And yeah, that's, that's TLG, all partnered with church across the UK. And you've laid out really simply there. I mean, as someone who's bumped into TLG at various points along my way, you know, I, I think I cannot believe that Make Lunch is such a simple idea. And the fact that, you know, the holiday hunger is a thing. I mean, before Marcus Rashford, it, it existed. You know, there was this thing called, you know, preschool meals that stopped at the end of the school time. And as somebody who, like you worked with young people in, in my early years, never even thought about something as simple as, what happens to those children who depend, or those families who depend upon food at lunchtime? And suddenly their hot meal of the day has been taken away from them. Yeah, that's right. So 11 years ago, um, wonderful lady called Rachel Warwick just spotted this need, pioneered Make Lunch. And, um, and that's become part of TLG. Uh, we've partnered with 90 churches um, across the country serving meals in a typical year to more than 5,000 kids. With everything that's happened with COVID, those face-to-face -face opportunities weren't there, but actually the need, as we know, was huge, wasn't it? So yeah, we found ourselves actually partnering with almost 200 churches to get food and support out to families. Um, and in the 12 months that has, um, that has passed, we supported 18,000 different children. Every one of those is a local church connecting to a, typically a primary school, the schools referring those kids and families who are at risk and the church stepping in to be there with the food, but also to build relationships and to journey with children and families. And yeah, it's our huge privilege to be part of that solution. And as a church pastor, church leader, I'm always so glad to hear of organizations like TLG who want to work with the local church, you know, that we, we go, we, we are better together, that your skills, knowledge, connections with our local volunteer force and love for our community can work in partnership. That's a great asset. But along the journey of TLG, there have been some incredible, miraculous moments. I mean, you tell the story of Lewis and we'll come on to some of the things, the other stories. I know there are lots more out there. Um, but tell me about the story about Hope Park, about your headquarters, because I love this story about, you know, you're, you were in a moment like meeting on two different sides of a road, your original location. It was pretty dangerous getting kids but from one side to the other. Yeah, that that's right. So... 
I described the story of Lewis and, and our help for him really led the local school to say, you know, we've got loads more kids like him. So it's like, how many would you like? So suddenly we had a kind of class of 10 kids and, 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 and things began to grow. Initially, you know, our heart and our vision was just for Bradford, but we sensed really kind of the Lord stirring us that, you know, this need is everywhere. I mean, I now know that if we bring the data, you know, right up to date, 440,000 exclusions are given to kids in our country. Um, that's more than 200,000 children every year and their families directly impacted. So this needs everywhere and actually realizing churches are so well placed to, to respond. So we suddenly had a bigger vision. And then actually we looked at the space that we had and um, the youth club was where we did the school and, and our head office, if we could use that term, was the ground floor of a house. So we managed to get six desks in the front room and where the back bedroom would have been, I had a desk and a meeting table and we made a, a little kind of reception and, and we thought it was wonderful and it was until we had this much bigger vision for serving churches across the country. So very simply, we began to pray. We prayed some crazy prayers. We prayed that God would give us enough space that we could never outgrow it, that this space would serve this vision for a generation. And, and, and then we saw that happen in a remarkable way. What you know, listeners need to know is we didn't have any money. <laughs> we just began to pray. And um, we managed to find a site that was um, up for sale and realised that we could sell the garden from the house that we were using. So we sold the garden, that paid the deposit, and we borrowed some money to buy this land. I had no idea of how we were going to find the money to put a building on it. So I sort of said to the team, well, let's give it, let's give it five years of, of a fundraising campaign. But literally within a week of us completing on the purchase, I got one of those sort of round robin emails into my inbox that I don't normally pay much attention to, but spotted that it said that some money had been returned to Yorkshire that had to be spent within 18 months. And if anyone had any ideas of projects, they should get in touch with the council. So we'd actually, that's interesting, we work quite well with the council, good reputation, so I made an approach and I went and asked for 150,000 pounds. And they said, well, if you can spend the money within 18 months, you can have the 150,000. And if you need any more, just ask us. So um, it took about 10 days to go back and ask for 670,000. And they said, well, if you can spend it within 18 months, you can have the money. And if you need any more, just ask us. Well, at that point, I literally went back to the team and said, guys, back to the drawing board time. We, we should be aiming for a much bigger building. So we designed the first phase of the building to be 50% bigger than we needed. And yes, we pressed on. We managed to finish that build with three weeks to spare. 
within the 18-month timeline, and, and we were blessed with um, a grant, a gift of 1.6 million pounds and much more space than we needed. And so we made that space available to other businesses locally to rent from us. And within a couple of months, all of that space was, was full. So this is 2008. And then there was a recession, the credit crunch, 2009, 2010, but this space stayed full. And then the council came back to us in 2011 and said, we can see what a great job you've done with the money we gave you, that's brought jobs to the district. We've got some more money. Do you think you could make more space? So he, we said, go on then. And well, let's we bring it up to date. You know, we now have 25 businesses renting space from us, uh, generating just under a million pounds of unrestricted income for the charity. Of course, the TLG budget now is much bigger than that, but what it means is that we have all of our property costs covered. We've got a good chunk of our core costs covered. So those people who are thinking about a charity to give to, I, I'm always interested to know where is my money going? Is it going to core costs or property costs? Well, the great thing, because of the blessing of God, in the story of TLG is that actually those that give to TLG give directly to the front line of this work, enabling us to increase our help to, to struggling children. So yeah, one of many stories really of just God showing up in ways that are way beyond what we could have asked or imagined. I, I love that story, not just because of what happened, but because you went beyond the comfort spot, you know, you, you thought, let's just push it a little bit further. And I think how many times as leaders have we stayed safe and gone, we'll just do, we'll stay in the front room with the hat. You know, it's okay. We've got six desks. We, we can make this work, but you were thinking a generation, you were thinking beyond Bradford, uh, thinking bigger. And, you know, I, I'm sure at the time you weren't thinking 10, 20 years down the line, you were thinking just how do we get through the next few weeks? I mean, to, to build anything in 18 months, is incredible to, to build it with someone else's money is a blessing to bring in communities and businesses to both bring income and be a blessing to them, you know, is a wonderful thing. But I know that TLG is not designed to be a landlord. You're not there just to set, set up businesses and create space for them. You are there for people like Lewis. And I know you've got many other stories like that. I'm sure you could list them off for me. Uh, you know, you could tell some of those stories. Um, and you've seen incredible change. I mean, are there other stories you could tell us of some of the change you've seen in people's lives? Well, let me maybe just tell you of a story that is very much a kind of focus of celebration for us right now. But it, it's born out of some really tragic circumstances and a, a beautiful family um, just on the edge of Bristol. And so uh, mum, Emma and her uh, husband and two kids, um, Ellis and Sophie. Um, sadly, um, Ellis and Sophie's dad and Emma's husband uh, was terminally ill just at the point at which COVID began. And so, like so many, you know, families that were struggling and facing really big stuff 
And then this challenge that we've all faced kind of came along and yeah, in so many, so many ways that feels so kind of harsh that those that are facing life-changing circumstances and for those kids, this was clearly just really, really tough. And then lockdown and, and all of the struggle that that represented. But I guess, you know, the, the reason that we celebrate this story is that it, it's very much a demonstration of just God's goodness in the face of really tough circumstances. Um, Emma spoke about just how difficult it was for her. She had kind of limited time with her husband and, and he has his needs, but then the kids, you know, really need their mum through that struggle and the grief that would follow and so this is a family that have you know now um it's emma's a single mum and the kids are missing their dad but what has been so encouraging is just the way that the church has stepped in so we have this program called early intervention just ordinary people just everyday folks saying do you know what I could give one hour a week to a child who's struggling. And, and so early intervention was there for Ellis and for Sophie, just at the point at which, in a sense, everything else in their world was falling apart. And what is just beautiful is just knowing that they had an early intervention coach there for them through this time. We made a film just recently and we featured this family in our magazine. And in the film, there's a moment where Helen, the coach, just kind of walks around the corner and walks towards uh, Sophie. And it, it's just a brilliant moment of, of hope stepping in. It's a kind of picture of God's heart of love for those who struggle. And what's been beautiful is just the difference that that relationship has made over the last year. Emma says that she's now got her kids back, having, you know, just seen them grieving. Ellis, this young boy, just hiding under his bed, just not wanting to face the world. And now he's kind of got a smile again. It's a family that we were able to support with boxes of hope and just bring the everyday essentials and the encouragement that we all need. And yeah, just Emma says that that was a godsend for her. She says that her favorite Bible verse is from Isaiah 40 about those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And I think just when we get that picture of those who feel like they don't have the strength to face what life has sent their way, just knowing the difference that the local church, the spirit of God through his people can make. And it's just, yeah, really moving to, uh, to share one of many stories of, of, yeah, God stepping in through his people. I mean, that's obviously both a tragic story and a wonderful story of God's people stepping in. But I mean, COVID and education, I mean, that's been a terrible combination, hasn't it? I mean, you know, we've got vaccines that can protect people against a disease, but children who are already struggling in education, struggling in the home, 
suddenly being in lockdown. I mean, as a charity, you were frontline in the schools. You know, COVID turned that all upside down. You weren't able to do your normal work. Your early intervention wasn't able to happen like it normally did. And and what are your thoughts around that area of, of education, the knock-on effect of children and families that you're working with regularly? Yeah, this is huge, isn't it? And I guess I speak as a parent um, and, and supporting kids, you know, through the ups and downs of school opening, closing, remote lessons. And actually, you know, the evidence in terms of impact on our kids is, is just really clear. Young Minds, who are a charity that, you know, we really think have a, a massive part to play in helping young people. They have done some research saying that 87% of children agreed that they'd felt lonely or isolated during the lockdown. So that's, you know, nearly nine out of every 10 feeling lonely and isolated. And then the impact, the legacy is, is huge. So the NHS just earlier this year have estimated that an extra one and a half million kids and young people are going to require mental health support in the next five years as a direct result of the pandemic. We're talking about a, a huge legacy here that is going to take us a significant amount of time to respond to and to address. The Centre for Social Justice, just before the summer holidays, issued a report speaking about the 100,000 children that had not returned to school, that should have returned to school. They, they talked about them as ghost children, really because no one really knew where they were or what their situation was. But what was known is that these were some of the most vulnerable children you know, the other reality for those of us that work with vulnerable children, we know that actually school is the place where safeguarding concerns are most likely to be identified and raised. And so when you close school, you also close a window on support and help for kids. So it's, it's huge for this generation. I guess, you know, as TLG, we feel very privileged that we get to champion a church response to these needs. And so, you know, we're able to support literally thousands. This year, it'll be six and a half thousand children that we are supporting through our network of over 250 church partners across the UK. But I also have the privilege, along with other colleagues, of, of really shaping and influencing policy. So I'm part of a group of eight leaders uh, within this sector who meet with the Department for Education, meet with them um, every week and speak to all of these issues. And the department have been very, very open in terms of just the recognition of the need, the place that the voluntary and community sector is playing. You know, the role of the church is appreciated and we get the opportunity to represent just a small piece of that in the part that TLG education centers and early intervention is playing in helping 
kids to to make it through to yeah begin to stabilize their own mental health so that they can then get back to learning amazing i'm so glad you're there in the middle of it, all the conversations i know that when general elections would come around, you'd have, to have politicians ascend on your headquarters to have photos taken of look at us with this charity. And I'm glad that's not just, you know, it just seems a tokenistic thing. But you're actually part of the solution and part of the conversation. What are your thoughts, though, on the celebrity piece when a Marcus Radford, Radford, Rashford even sort of, um, you know, puts out a tweet and a comment and suddenly, you know, you're getting things overnight change? You know, you, you're there working hard every week, having meetings. And then along comes that kind of person with social clout that says something, then all the politicians bend over backwards. Is that like a, a great thing for you or a bit frustrating? Or is it just like all the more the merrier? I mean, it, it raised the profile. What was your kind of reflections over the sort of summer we had? Oh, I just think what an inspirational young man. And he's speaking from firsthand experience of what this is like. And just, you know, the length to which his mum was going to support that whole family. And that has been so significant, so powerful in actually highlighting the need, but also making it really clear that this is something that's not okay. And something that we shouldn't accept has been a normal part of life in the 21st century in, in developed economies. And then I guess from a TLG perspective, what we've seen is just a massive influx of churches that are seeing this need and saying, aha, okay, um, we get the need and we've heard about TLG and they've got a program that can help us respond. So that's been really exciting. So, you know, we went from working with 90 churches on issues of sort of food poverty to 200 churches in 2020 so incredible stepping up from the church you know and often the, the people who are stepping forward oh it is incredible like some of the churches are not your big well-resourced churches we've got those as partners too but i'm thinking of like some small churches maybe of older folk who themselves you know were or should have been shielding and yet they were stepping up to get this food and the essential supplies out to families. It is so inspiring. So we're super grateful just for the way that these needs are at the forefront, but very hopeful in the way that the church is stepping up. Yeah. And, and we're one of those churches, uh, the church, I need freedom church. Um, we're about to, commission our team this weekend and tim's going to come help us do that but i remember the moment we met for the first time face to face was actually on holiday in france weirdly we had a lot of mutual friends and we said should we get a coffee and and i'll always remember because you you gave me a copy of your book out of the ordinary and you wrote a little note in the front of it and i read it on holiday you were pleased no i actually read it and i went home and said to my team we've got to get hold of tlg we've got to get hold of this book and my colleague literally pulled out of her bag and said, what do you mean this book? And she'd already had the book and already read it. And then my other colleague said, oh, that book, my husband has just finished reading that. He bought it. He's, a, he's into education. He's a teacher. He was interested in TLG. And three out of our staff team had all read the book in a matter of a week without even knowing that we were doing that. And, and, and fast forward now, it's been a couple of years because of circumstances and, and 
the early intervention has begun and our church family, we've got some coaches being trained who are going into local schools. And I think what a, what a simple model, but what an effective model to really change the trajectory of a young child from five, six, seven years old, which in your book, you talk about how many five-year-olds actually get um, removed from school, which shocked me no end that you could actually even be removed from school. You know, is, is that still the case now? Yeah, so in the year um, until COVID happened, uh, 26,000 children who were um, of primary age were excluded. Um, And as many as 6,000 of those were kids who were six years old and younger. I just, for me, this just says so much about the unfairness that is faced in life. I think, you know, the wider context is we know that it's the kids who live in poverty. Kids on free school meals are actually four times more likely to be excluded. It's also true that black boys are three times more likely to be excluded from school. And then when we think about those that have special educational needs and anyone who's or knows anyone who's gone through the process of actually getting that official statement of special educational needs and all of the resources alongside that, you know, those kids are seven times more likely to then be excluded from school. It just says to me that, well, we've got a system that really is not meeting the needs of the children. And for class teachers, you know, my heart goes out to them. They're doing a brilliant job day after day, term after term. But when we see that disparity in terms of race, of poverty, of educational needs, for me, this just speaks of significant injustice that is not okay. And it fires us up as TLG to challenge the system, to shift the resources to those who need it most, but also to inspire the church that actually every church everywhere can make a difference. Yeah. So good. Now we are going to be heading towards the end of our time together, unfortunately, but I want to encourage our listeners to, to get hold of your book, which is freely available. And we'll make that available now on our leadership podcast website. And we'll give you the links. You can go through to TLG, sign up uh, to their uh, database. Now send you a free copy of the book, which is a good start. It tells all the brilliant stories. It talks about Lewis in there and your headquarters and some of the great stories you've got to share. But I guess what is the future of TLG look like and, and how can we as as you know listeners and as churches and leaders how can we get involved to make a difference well without a doubt I would say that every church everywhere can connect with TLG and pick up a program that make a that can make a difference in a local community so be that early intervention coaching the make lunch program or our education centers Right now, we also have some free training available uh, called the Emotional First Aid Course and uh, a free resource called the Emotional Roller Coaster. And that was created in the early days of the pandemic to really help equip any adult who is supporting anyone who is struggling in any way, particularly uh, in regard to emotional and mental health. So those resources are all on our website. 
uh, that's tlg.org.uk. And I would just encourage, uh, yeah, all of the listeners to check us out, connect with us, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can serve you. That would be the idea. Tim, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, we'll make all those links available on our, our website and we'll forward them to people so people can get hold of them really easily. Don't worry if you've missed uh, writing that down or something, we'll get those to you. And and I know, Tim, that you have won awards for your leadership. You know, you, it's on your back of your book. It must be true. The Sunday Times, uh, you know, award for a char- best charity leader, I think is the title they, they've given you. Um, so as an award-winning leader, what final piece of advice can you give to us as leaders, Christian leaders who are saying, how can we make a difference? We say often that when leaders get better, everyone wins. How have you got better? What has been the win for you as a CEO of TLG? I think at the end of the day, we have to come back to the difference that walking with Jesus makes. And so, yeah, we have some skills and yeah we try and bring that to bear in life but ultimately you know we are always leading from a place of weakness TLG is so not about the people it is so much about who God is and you know that is is our story and so when I kind of think about leading and particularly as we've talked about justice and we've talked about some of the inequalities, then I think of, you know, the words of Isaiah chapter one, verse 17 says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. And I think if that characterizes our leadership, then actually our organizations will thrive you know, we will find that we build healthy cultures that people want to be part of. And we're able to serve each other and to serve the communities and the children and families around us. So, yeah, that's so much our heart. And, yeah, really grateful, Sim, for the opportunity just to share with you today. Tim, thank you so much. And thank you for bringing it back to where it should always be with Jesus bang at the centre of our leadership. Thank you, Tim, for joining us today on the Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much. What a wonderful conversation with Tim Morfin today. I hope you found that helpful. If you want to find out more about the work of TLG and get hold of a free copy of the book, Out of the Ordinary by Tim, please do head to tlg.org.uk. And don't worry, we'll make sure this information, along with the other free resources, are available on our website, theleadershippodcast.uk. And finally, it just leaves me to say thank you. Thank you so much for joining me once again here today, the Leadership Podcast today with me, Sim Dendy. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this helped serve you and your leadership. Please do get in touch if you have a story to share, because we know that when the leader gets better, everyone wins. <laughs>